Hey everybody, welcome to the show. This is, uh, I'm going to take a little bit of a new direction with my podcast here. So this is Andre. Uh, Off the top, I want to introduce the show a little bit. Um, And this week's episode is a special one for me. I'm talking to one of my longtime friends. This is Michael Ofori. Him and I came up together in the industry. And if you're not familiar with that term, you're not from Toronto or black, (laughs) but uh, no, really him and I, um, we go really to the beginning. Uh, We met in college. We uh, graduated the program together. We started a business together. We interned uh, at our first workplace together Um, and we started a business together and we did, we produced a TV show together. We co-produced a TV show together. The show was called What's Poppin'. Uh, with Midi and Dre, that was our business. And essentially what we did was we founded a company. We said, look, we're going to use our skills in video production and we're going to produce for clients. And that's what we're going to do. And we did that for a number of years and we parlayed that into a TV show. Um, the TV show aired on BPM TV, which is a network here in Canada. It doesn't exist any longer, but it did at the time. And so uh, it's, that was about 14 years ago. Him and I have been friends ever since. We're now transitioning from the television to the advertising industries. And uh, Mike and I, we get into a, a couple things. We get into the transition. We get into the new industry, uh, advertising versus television, what that difference is like. And um, we get into some of the keys to success. Like, how did you get to where you are today? What did we learn from school and being in business together and how that helped us in our career today? Um, a lot of chemistry between him and I. Like I said, we've been friends for about 14 years. We've worked together. We've made money together. We've traveled together. Um, very special person in my life. And I wanted to start these episodes with a little something off the top. So this is the first one. I'd love to get some feedback on what you guys think. And hope you guys enjoy the show. So here we go. In conversation with Michael Mitty. Check it out. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of In Conversation With. Thank you so much for having me. That's awesome. A lot of these artists need the money that comes from touring. (laughs) But all right, let's get started. Yeah. How's it going, man? It's going all right, man. You know, quarantine day, you know, 200 and something, you know, it's like just finding different ways to keep busy, you know, and stay on top of work when, when it's coming in, you know? Yeah. What a year, I guess it ha- has, it been 200 and something days. What is it? Four months now and counting we're in, uh, as, as we're recording this, we're in phase two. Yeah. Um, in Toronto phase three, maybe is coming up shortly, but I think everybody's had to adjust and figure out, what they're going to do in this new world. Is this going to be the new world? Are we going to go back to the old world? What's going to happen with money? Is it going to be digital? What's going to happen with work? Are we all going to work from home now? You know, you're an editor, you're, you're an editor. So it largely hasn't affected you. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, being a video editor in the city of Toronto, it's one of those things where as soon as COVID happened, everybody wanted a COVID type commercial. You know, and wanted the messaging of 
okay, we have to say something about what's going on. We have to say something about the fact that, you know, we're standing with our employees and making sure that we're doing the right things. And so interestingly enough, you know, when COVID hit properly, when, you know, to, right before the lockdown in Toronto, I was traveling back from LA, got to the airport. The airport was crazy. Line, the lines were like, like I've never seen lineups. I've never seen congestion like that in an airport ever. You know what I mean? And even, <laughs> it was like, you know, when you go to New York and you go to LaGuardia or you go to any one of those airports, it was like that on like steroids. You know what I mean? So get to the airport, land. And then at that point, I'm thinking, man, what is going to happen next? You know, because I get a work email saying, okay, you know, we're all going to be working from home. Then I start to think, well, maybe I won't have any work. But then going back to what I was saying initially, because, you know, we're in COVID times and, and you know, and being predominantly a video editor, being predominantly a video editor and advertising, sorry about that. Okay. Being video editor and advertising, um, a lot of brands wanted COVID commercials to talk about what they're doing during this time. And so I, at the beginning of COVID, when people were getting laid off and, you know, people were losing their jobs and people were jumping out to serve, I was actually so busy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because people wanted to get the messaging out. And so... And that's super lucky. I mean, you've um, forged uh, a career for yourself where you're in a position where you can be busy during totally. something, you know, during something like this. And I actually want to talk about that with you, right? Um, you, you know, you know, I've worked together uh, a couple of years ago. We kind of came up together. We went to college together, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. I don't really announce to people um, you know, what I've done. I don't really announce to people that, hey, you know, I had a, a TV show Mike and I produced and we interviewed artists that were on tour coming to the city of Toronto and, you know, we pitched it to a network and they picked it up and then we ended up producing that show for... And that was a big deal for us. <laughs> that was a big deal for us. We did, what, 26 episodes, um, two seasons, you know, interstitials between, you know, two and five minutes. We were doing essentially what a lot of YouTube content creators are doing now. The only difference is, is that we hadn't fully monetized it with different brands and partnerships. Yeah, because that, that industry hadn't developed yet. It hadn't. Uh... This, is, this is 10 years ago. It's crazy how this, that industry has only been around for the last five years. Exactly, exactly. You know, and that's kind of where we came from, right? Where we just said, okay, well, this is something that we can do. We have a skill set in doing this. Okay, we're going to go do it. And, you know, I remember working with you at that time and you hadn't quite identified what it is that you wanted to do yet. You were shooting, you were editing, you were kind of dabbling into making DVDs for people, which yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get into. Um, and so you were kind of figuring out your footing. And I'd like to talk to you about what were the things that you had to do early on in your career to figure out, okay, this is what I like to do. This is what I'm going to do. And this is how I'm going to get better at that. What were the things that you did to identify those steps? Well, the hardest part for me was initially, I didn't know if I was going to be a video editor. The road to being a video editor for me was different because, you know, coming out of college and you know, Dre, because we were, 
you know, classmates, we all wanted that apprenticeship. We all wanted some guidance to help us figure out what we wanted to do. And it wasn't until, you know, maybe in the last year of college where, you know, I'm starting to figure out, okay, like I'm actually getting good at this and I'm going to harness this skill. And at that point I said, you know what, let me start doing a few tutorials. Let me start, you know, um, let me start going online and looking up ways to do things that I don't know how to do. Because, you know, when you're in college, when you're in university, they, they're only giving you the basics, only giving you the theory, everything else you're going to learn in the field. So for me, I was like, how can I shadow somebody or, you know, be behind somebody or even go online, watch, like, I loved MTV's titles all the time. Back, I would say MTV, early 2000s, even now, they've always had great title treatments. They've always had great supers. They've always had great branding, you know, as a whole. So I was like, how can I figure out how to create content like this on my own, you know, and harness these skills so that if I go into MTV or CTV or whatever company it may be to try and get hired, I'll have all the skills, you know, because I didn't even know what skills I needed to, to get hired. I just knew that, okay, okay, I got to know programs. <laughs> so the first thing I thought was, I got to figure out, I got to figure out Photoshop. I got to figure out, you know, I got to figure out Avid. I got to figure out Final Cut because I don't know what, what company is going to be using what. I heard, okay, in TV, they're using Avid. But then I heard over here, they're using different things. And I remember even once going for a job because where I did the internship, where we did the internship together at the Fight Network, we're using Avid Liquid. And I go to get a, you know, an interview somewhere else and they say, can you use the Avid? And I'm like, yeah, totally, I can use the Avid. But I hadn't properly used Avid Media Composer. I'd been using Avid Liquid. And even when I had that on the resume, I remember the producer looking at the resume, looking looking at me and then he looks up again and says so tell me what is avid liquid <laughs> and i was like i was so embarrassed because I, I spent so much time on learning this program and i was like they don't even use this here and then so i started to think okay well what is the standard but at the end of the day it didn't bother me because i just wanted to be well-rounded as a whole so for me it was about learning the programs and harnessing the editing skills in each different program. So whether it's Premiere, Final Cut, or Avid, I need to know them all at a level where I feel comfortable to just jump in and get started. You know, with Photoshop and After Effects, these are things that you can learn over time, and that's what I've learned now. But back then, I felt like I needed to know it in and out right away at that time, you know? Yeah, and, and I think that's great because that's something that makes people different. That's something that makes you different, right? Like a lot of editors at that time or just professionals, they're like, oh, I'll figure it out when I get there, right? right? When I get the job, then I'll get better at it. But I think your approach was preemptive. It was, I need to be the best or at least at, a, at an intermediate level so that when I do get the role, I'm already prepared and I can excel from here. Yeah, and, and when I did get the first role I ever got, you know, outside of what we were doing, because I looked at what we were doing as a full-time job, uh, you know, on its own you know, and what we were doing, we were producing content once a week, you know, we, and we would release it, what, every Monday or every Tuesday, Dre? Every Monday, I think it was, yeah, every Monday. <laughs> and, and we would release content once a week for two years, right? And uh, garnered 
some notoriety a little bit with with a few brands and managed to you know sell the show and get it on Rogers and Bell, you know, Channel Seven Hundred Nine and Five Seventy Nine on Bell, you know, and that was a big deal for us. But for me, the road to being an editor was like, here's this package that I have. Okay, now let me see if anyone even thinks what I'm doing is is good because the only person I the only person I have to look to in terms of acknowledgement of, of what I'm doing is you because we're working on the show together and then a few friends and family will say you know friends and family I was going to say okay that's yeah that's great but you never know if what you're doing is up to industry standard or not right or if people even find this remotely interesting at all so for me it was like creating this package of being able to show people uh via what I've done with my talent saying hey look look at what I've done I, I'm a capable editor, you know? Exactly. And, and uh, I want to back up a second and talk about you, what you just said, like I was the only person that you had to sort of critique your work and whatnot. And, and I think the, the idea for us doing Mitty and Dre and, and creating a show and producing um, content for clients that we had in the city, the idea for that really was for us to sharpen our own skills, right? Yes. Yeah. Like the purpose, like, like your purpose was, was simple. It was, I want to be a camera operator editor. That's, that's like who you wanted to be at the time. And I want to talk later about how you refined that and said, cause I remember when you came to me and you're like, I don't want to shoot anymore. Um, but we'll touch on that in a little bit, but that was it. That was it for you. You're like, yo, I want to be an editor. I want to be a camera operator. Okay, cool. So let's do this. And for me, it was like, I want to write and I want to host and I want to produce one day. So let's just do it and let's do it at the level that we're at now and we'll get better at this because people will notice it. And while other people are trying to get an internship, we're working on it. And um, I think that's a lesson for a lot of people. It was just like, we didn't really wait. We just said, all right, well, let's come up with a plan and let's put it out there. And that led into kind of the second phase of your career where uh, we were doing our show. You were hired on at BPM TV yep. and you met these guys at chat magazine and you started doing some stuff for them. Um, yes. You know, that, that too was a big deal for me as well. You know, because at the time, and if you know hip hop, anyone who knows hip hop smack DVD. <laughs> uh, all right. We're back. We had a little uh, technical difficulties. I know my, my phone uh, got super hot, you know, should just use the laptop from the beginning, but here we go technology. All good, man. We're figuring it out. We're troubleshooting on the fly. Uh, we were talking about Smack DVD and how yes. it was one of the biggest names in the game. And uh, one of the biggest names in hip hop. I mean, if you, if you know 90s hip hop, if you know hip hop at all, you know, and you lived in the CD, DVD, cassette era, then you know Smack DVD, hands down. You know what I mean? Because the thing is, is that the majority of hip hop fans were all looking towards underground. Who's the new people coming up? You know, a lot of people like Nicki Minaj even were on Smack DVD. Lil Wayne was on Smack DVD. Anybody you think about in hip hop who was even on a global scale already wanted to be on Smack DVD because they also wanted that street credit, you know? And so for me, when I got the opportunity to work with these guys, you know, from Chant Magazine, I was, I was like, okay, this will be cool to create something similar, but that is based in Toronto, you know, and 
And in Toronto, it's hard always creating your own thing, um, especially when it's in, inspired by an American thing already. And so for me, it was just more so about how can I do the best underground DVD content with incorporating the Midian Dre style of what we were doing already and then turning that into hip hop and, you know, a bit of pop uh, celebrity footage. So can you just back up a second and talk about what Champ Magazine was uh, exclusively? And it wasn't a magazine, was it? It wasn't a magazine. And, and, and it's funny enough, it started off as, so Champ Magazine started off as a publication that was a blog that was based upon hip hop news and culture, right? And if you, you know, follow Toronto Rappers or Six Buzz or Blog T.O., it was that, but for hip hop exclusively. So you know, underground hip hop artists from Toronto, hip hop artists who are flying into Toronto, who are doing shows. It was shows and coverage of hip hop arts, music and culture um, that was entering our city, whether it was someone flying in or someone who was homegrown, you know, like JD Era or Famous, you know, um, or Drake, you know what I mean? Or Johnny Rocks, you know, <laughs> like anyone who knows Toronto hip hop knows these names, right? And so it was trying to cover people like that and showcase what we have going on here and making people like Belly and Danny Fernandez and P Rain, who's, you know, formerly known as P Rain, but now Preem say, hey, like when I do an interview, I'd rather do it with Chant Magazine than do it with Much Music or E-Talk, you know, get to that scale where it, you're, you're you're now becoming a publication like Complex, right? Because Complex is that publication for the online. So Chant Magazine was never a magazine. Um, it was just sort of a way to um, say, hey, we're a publication. You right, know? right. And, and um, I really liked this part in your career because I felt like you were you were gaining a lot of skills and you were learning to work with different people all the time. Like you guys went to yeah. concerts, you were shooting for them, you were editing for them, you were putting DVDs together for them, which is something we learned in school. Yeah. Um, you were creating artwork for them. And I think, I, I feel like at this time, you got to hone in on a lot of skills that other editors didn't normally have. Like what editors are, are, are creating posters, are creating DVDs, are creating... Really? work are shooting are editing and doing all these different things that make them multifaceted right yeah. um i think that's something that uh made you stand out a little bit and 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 you gained a lot of skills working with those guys now you're at chant magazine bpm tv picks you up you're now uh, a full-time editor working at bpm tv yeah. media yeah. media sort of fizzles out yeah you now have a you're now working your first full-time job, editing, full-time, Declan, Jory, <laughs> Sheldon, yeah. David, Mary, Rosemary. Yeah, these are all, yeah. You know, um, what was that? What was that experience like for you, man? That was your first full-time job. You're now in the office full-time. This is what you wanted. This is what you worked for. You've been grinding the last couple of years. It's funny. Like, you think... When you're coming up, you think, wow, like I'm so much closer to 
to doing the biggest show or biggest documentary ever, you know? And when I got to BPM TV, I thought the, I felt the same way. I was like, this is an amazing publication. They're, they're on a TV channel. I could tell people where to go and watch it, um, even though it was a specialty channel. So you had to order it, you had to get it through a package. But I could tell people, hey, if you want to check out the stuff that I'm working on, you got to order this channel. And this was back when everybody was still had cable. You know, a lot of people nowadays don't have cable. They have maybe a Bell 5 app or a Rogers app or a Shaw TV app or some sort of publication that goes from their phone or tablet to their TV. So they're still, they still have cable, but it's, it's, it's a different way, the way you're accessing, you know, content. So for me, this was, this was the most exciting thing ever. I'm like, I got a full-time job. I did it. I made it like, I have a full-time job. I don't know how many of my other peers have a full-time job, but I do. And so for me, that meant, meant a lot being a young black man, especially, and being the only black guy in the office and being someone from my community who has done something that no one else has or being someone, not even just in my community, but in my family. So for me, that was a big deal because um, I was, you know, I had a salary and I, I could, now I can get an apartment, you know, I could, I could do all these things. I could move out of my mom's house. It was just like, um, it felt like a really big deal because I meet interns today who are the same age I was then, because then I was 21, 22. And so for me, uh, I felt like, you know what, I'm getting an early kick at the can to figure out and harness my skills so that, you know, by the time I'm 30 or, you know, 40, 20 years from now, I'm, I'm the biggest thing ever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or maybe I'm, you know, some sort of senior editor, or maybe I'm overseeing a bunch of editors. That's how I felt. And I was, uh, it was the biggest thing for me at that time. Right. And, and you touched on something really interesting there is that you, at that time, you were young, you were 20, 21, I think, uh, you were figuring out for the rest of your career what it is that you wanted. So that sort of carved a path for where yeah. you wanted to go next. Yeah. And um, following your BPM TV experience, which I think was a few years, was three years, five years you were there at BPM? Yeah, I was there for at least three years, three solid years. Three years at BPM, great experience. Um, shout out to everybody that, that worked there, Scott, Jory, everybody that was there yeah. uh, while we were there. Um, and then at this point, I guess you're, you're kind of like identifying your strengths. Okay, this is what I like to do. This is yeah. what I don't like to do. I like to make yeah. promos. I don't really yeah. like to work on yeah. whatever it is, documentaries or whatever it is. How yeah. did you talk, talk to me about that process? Because as a professional, everybody has to get to a point in their career where they have to figure out, okay, this is what I like to do. And yeah. I don't like to do. I'm going to focus on the stuff that I like. What was that process like for you? For me, I noticed at the time in my career that my attention span for long form things was not there. I just, I just didn't have the same passion of telling a story in 30 seconds or getting somebody hyped up to watch a, you know, a film or a TV show. Um, to me, making a 30 second trailer, one minute trailer, um, even a two minute trailer to get somebody pumped to watch something, which is why I enjoyed what we did so much. It was short, digestible content. And what's really interesting is that is coming back again now. You look at Quibi and they're doing exactly what we did in 2010. If you go on Quibi, you, 
there's no show that's longer than seven minutes. No, sorry, that's longer than 10 minutes, actually. Each episode is seven minutes. Kevin Hart has a new show called Die Hard. It is an interstitial show, but each episode is um, no longer than seven minutes, as I said. And same thing goes for the new punk MTV's punk which now Quibi has uh, bought the rights to. Um, it's the same thing. So it's really interesting to see that we were doing something that is now, people are now, people now want to acquire in terms of the way people digest content. Cause, and I felt the same way uh, a while ago in terms of putting things together as a package. When I would sit down in the editing suite, I would say, ah, I was always trimming the fat to try and make an edit spicier. And then it got to a point when I started making promos, I was like, man, this is like really exciting. And the way people react, you know, to watch something, you could make a promo for the worst movie in the world, be look like the greatest movie in the world. And then you go to the theater and you're let down, but the, the job of the promo is to get you there. Mm -hmm. The job of the promo is to sell those tickets, is to bring people to the theater. And so for me, that seemed like, a really exciting place to be because it's very pivotal in terms of your value for a company. It's like, if he could sell the content we need, then he's a really valuable asset to our company in terms of his skill set. you know? Yeah. And, um, you're, you're, you know, you're mentioning a lot of things here where, you know, you figured out you weren't that thrilled about this. You're more thrilled about this and you kind of yeah. want in that direction and do more of this and do less of that yeah. um what what were the things how did you figure that out because some people are working in the industry now and they're just kind of like doing whatever being generalist um what uh what were the steps that you went to to kind of figure out the things that you're good at and the things you're not good at and the things that you like and the things you don't like and then when did you and how did you make the decision to continue to go in that direction for me finding the ways to you know, harness these skills and continue to go in the direction of saying, hey, I'm going to work in short form content and promos and TV commercials. It really was about complacency. And I noticed a lot of people uh, at different editorials or different TV stations of where I work were very complacent in terms of what they wanted. And I also realized that sometimes working on the same thing, you know, there's a lot of shows, for example, you can watch on TV that have the same formula, right? Whether it's a interior design, home show, a home cooking show, you know, or even a celebrity contest show, you know, like shows like The Voice. Like these sort of shows have a certain formula in terms of how they execute it. But sometimes when you're working on a certain show that doesn't move you, you're like, I just really want to move on to the next. And that, at that point I realized, you know what, maybe I should look into doing commercials because when you're doing commercials, even if you do 12 McDonald's commercials, it's never going to be the same because they got the Big Mac, they got the McCafe, they got the McChicken, they got the new donut, they got the new, you know, there's always something new when it comes to commercial, whether it's a car commercial, no matter how many times you do one, it's a different concept. And when you're working on a TV show that's not a series, for example, that's not an HBO series, 
each episode isn't different. So I found myself working at these places or freelancing at these places where I was getting jobs, where I was working on the same thing and it felt very redundant. You know, it felt very redundant. It felt like I wasn't, you know, pushing myself. It felt like I wasn't challenging myself. I was going in and kind of pushing buttons and pushing keys and not really using my mind to say, oh, what if I try this? Or, oh, what if I try that? Because everything was very formulaic that I was working on. Even the shows that I was working on at BPN TV, they all had a formula, you know? So for me, eventually it became, you know, it, I became less motivated, you know, to, to, to work. And so at that point I was like, you know what? I think I want to go in this direction because I think my mind will be more stimulated and I'll be more motivated to continue to work, you know, and not get caught in a place where I feel like I'm being a bit complacent, you know, because working on the same show for 30 years doesn't take you anywhere. You know, it's, it's really not that fun, especially if you're a creative individual who wants, you know, more stimulation, who wants, you know, to constantly be working on different things and learning from the things that you're working on and learning from the people who you're working with when you work on these different shows, you know, because sometimes you work on a show about dance, music, television, or about food, and you realize, oh, wow, that person's a specialist, and they love that. They love talking about food, or that person is a spe like when you look at you know, um, Ariani, who hosts Fox for UFC, right? Ariel. Ariel. Ariel Ar yeah, exactly. How do, you, how do you pronounce his name? I think it's um, Ariel Helwani. Ariel Helwani. That's how it is. Yeah. I don't even know what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> but when you look at Ariel Helwani, you know, he's very passionate about the fight game. So is Joe Rogan. So is Moore Ronello. These are people who are passionate and have a niche. And I wanted to be passionate about what I'm good at and have a niche to present to people so that when people came to me, they knew, oh, you know what? You go to him for this, and this is what he specializes in. Not to pigeonhole myself, but to know that, that I will constantly having an influx of work in this sector because people know he's really good at doing promos or he's really good at doing trailers or you know what I mean? Yeah. And you know what, you're talking about something that I wanted to touch on with you in a little bit, but let's get to it now. Um, there's a debate out there, especially now with so much access to information and people can right. do so many different things. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a debate between being a generalist or being a specialist. Right. And that's, that's kind of what you're talking about right now. You're saying that you were a little bit of a generalist before and you wanted to be more of a specialist. Yeah. Um, so I guess I, I can allude to your thoughts to this question, but I'll, I'll give you a chance to answer. The, the, the younger people coming up in the game right now or even the people that are in the game right now with us in advertising and, and yeah. development, um, what would you say for that debate? Would you say it's, it's better to be a generalist or is it better to be a specialist in your field of work, whether that's creative or whatever? Yeah. I personally think, you know, if you have some overall skills, that can definitely get you far. So, you know, there's people who write and direct. You know, there's people who produce and direct. Um, but what do these titles actually mean, right? Sometimes people don't really think about what these titles actually mean because when you're a producer and when you're a director, or if you do both, or if you're you know, a director and a writer, and we're talking about big budget films, we're talking about big budget TV shows, you know what I mean? 
We're talking about uh, little fires everywhere. We're talking about shows like that that have you know great budgets, great scripts, great directors, great actors, or even if we're talking about a simple TV show like Property Brothers. You know, it is a lovely formula that they have. They have a home show where they go into someone's house, they renovate it, they change the space, and people enjoy that. And so for people watching, they start to realize, wow, these guys are really good at what they do. And why? Because they've specialized in what they do. Now, a generalist, per se, to me personally, is someone who almost wants to try and do everything, but they haven't harnessed one skill because we all have transferable skills within the creative space, but your strengths and your weaknesses will, will show in different areas. So for example, for me personally, I specialize in editing. I specialize in short form at this moment doing commercials, but I do have transferable skills in, in, in terms of the fact that I could direct and I have directed things before. But the reason for that is because editing is based off decision-making and a lot of direct, great directors, you know, they don't second guess themselves and they make decisions that are confident decisions, you know, and not irrational decisions based upon how they feel, you know, but things that are the best for the story, you know? So when I look at young kids coming up, they're like, Oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a camera up and I'm an editor and I'm a director and I'm not saying you can't do all those things. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying, can you do all those things to the best of your ability? You know, are you that much of a triple threat? The majority of people are not, you know, in one of those areas, you're going to find some weaknesses that, um, that will show. And I personally think that you can't be a generalist and it's better if you are a specialist because then, People are coming to you to say, hey, you know what? I want that guy to direct this because of X, Y, and Z. You know, or I want Mitty to edit this because of X, Y, and Z. You know? Right. And uh, it's because they're a specialist at what they do. Right. Right. That's right. And um, I was actually looking at a, a video by uh, this, this um, company called The Future. Um, yeah. Really good job. They're in, they're in California. You might actually like them. And they were having a conference. They were having kind of like this, uh, this like engagement with, uh, I, I guess, it was a bunch of students. They were coming from a college and they had come through. And uh, the guy was answering this question and he had this really good analogy. He was saying like, okay, well, let's say there's a problem in my house and I need somebody to fix it. And it's a plumbing issue. Now, am I going to go to the person who is a plumber, an electrician, uh, a drywaller, um, uh, uh, whatever? Yeah. Or am I going to go to the plumber who's been a plumber for 20 years? Exactly. Right. Exactly. And, you know, that's a perfect point because there's people who've been, for example, you look at Brad Pitt, you look at Halle Berry, you look at Leonardo DiCaprio. These are phenomenal actors. You look at Denzel. Denzel didn't start directing things or producing things till very late in his career, you know, because he established himself first as an actor. You know, and people identified him as a phenomenal actor. Now, with the knowledge that he's gained and experience that he's gained from acting and being 
told what to do in different scenarios. Yeah, now he has those transferable skills to be able to say, hey, you know what, I think I want to step into this director position and start doing different things or start producing different things, you know, because he's been acting for 30 plus years, you know, and now that he's been doing that for so long, he could say, hey, you know, I think I want to transfer these skills and take them here. And I think before you, and this is for anyone, before you started going back to your point about a plumber and electrician, and but there are handymen who can do it all, but some of them are specialists in literally one area and you'll find the flaws. You know, I had a bathroom reno done by a guy who can't, can do it all. And in other areas, his flaws shine through. There's other areas where I, where I come in the washroom and I say, could have been done a bit better. Had I got someone who just tiles or had I got someone who just does plumbing, you know, cause you don't want to have issues in the long run. So is it great to be a specialist? Yes. Cause you'll gain more respect and you'll gain more trust from who you're working with when it's time to work and execute things, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't know if you were done there. <laughs> trust, no, I mean, trust is the biggest thing in terms of the process. You know, when someone gives you eight hours of footage and says, here you go, I want you to create this for me. That's a lot of trust. That's a lot of weight on the shoulders to produce something and to create something that is phenomenal, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, look, like you've gotten yourself to that point in your career where that's what you're being faced with. You're, you know, you're, you're working at, uh, as, as of a recording, you're, you're, you're working at Saints, you know, you're, you're an editor there and, and you're, you're, you're producing commercials, which I know is something that you've wanted to do for a while. For a and long time. For, you know, for a while. Yeah. For a long time. And here you are now editing commercials uh, and I couldn't be happier. So in your role working at Saints full time, yeah you have people that are looking up to you now and you're in the role that maybe you've wanted somebody to look up to when you were coming up. Yeah. Right. Um, talk a bit about your role now. And do you ever think about that? Do you ever think about meeting the young midi and, and, or, you know, if it's a girl even, um, yeah. And kind of all, all the time, all the time. I mean, coming up, I always wanted someone, you know, to guide me or almost show me the way say, hey, this is what you have to do if you want to get here. But on my journey, I realized there's no right way. You know, I do know that planting the seed of where you want to be is important. And if you're thinking, hey, you know, I want to work at MTV, then just start emailing people there now. You may not have the skills right now, but if you start emailing those people right now, and by the time you have the skills to get that job, this person's gonna say, hey, you know what? Like, I think this, I think you're ready. I mean, that's what happened to me, for example. And there's no right way to go about it. Sometimes it's shadowing somebody, sometimes it's pestering somebody. But, you know, to give perspective, in 2010, I was freelancing at CP24. I had just left the fight network. You and I were doing Midian Dre. I sent an email to my current boss right now saying, hey, you know what? And she had a different editorial company. I said, hey, you know what? I would love to edit at your company. I, I noticed you guys do commercials. And I really want to do commercials. This is 10 years ago. I said, 
like if there's any way I can come in for an interview, here's my reel. You know, I, I presented her with my work and what I had done so far, and I left it there. She had sent me an email back saying, hey, you know what, this looks actually pretty decent. Why don't you come in? We may have a junior editor or assistant role position for you if you want to come in and, you know, have a chat. So I, so I did. At that moment in my career, I wasn't ready to work there, you know, but I was willing to learn to figure out what it is that I needed to become a full-time commercial editor. I didn't even know what that meant at the time even, but I wanted that position. And so when I left the interview, two weeks later, she said, you know what, we're actually gonna go with someone else. Um, and I was a bit torn, but you know what? I said, you know what, I'm gonna keep messaging her. And so I did once a year, every year, for five years, I messaged her each year when, when I felt like my work was getting better. At the end of the year, I would send her a little message and say, hey, just checking in, wanted to show you what I was working on. Hey, was checking in, wanted to show you what I was working on. By 2015, I sent her another email saying, hey, you know, and at this point in my career, I was freelancing. I had uh, left BPM TV. Uh, I had just finished working on a six part series, uh, you know, a docu-series for a food show and I was trying to figure out what was next. I didn't really know what I wanted to do um, and I was just freelancing. I was just trying to make some money, you know, to kind of stay afloat. And I sent her an email. I said, hey, you know, I'm actually freelancing at the moment, but, uh, you know, if you had a role, I would actually be really interested in um, coming to work at your company. Here's a look at where my reel is now. And then, you know, I get another email response back and she says, you know what? I think I have something that will work for you. Why don't you come in for an interview? So I went in for a first interview and I don't know if it went well. I went in for a second interview, still don't know if it went well. Went in for a third, I thought, you know what? Maybe I'm getting this job. I guess they, you know, they really want to vet me <laughs> before they consider hiring me you know, and I hadn't heard back anything for a little while. And I think someone else got the job, but they had messaged me later and said, Hey, why don't you come in? I really want you to meet this other editor. Um, this would be an assistant position. You wouldn't have the editing role. Um, if you're okay with that, I know you're really talented at where you are in your career. And I think this would be really good for you. And at that point I said, wow, like an assistant editor, I've always just wanted to be the guy. I always wanted to be the editor. And, you know, I humbled myself and I called my mom and said, mom, what do you think about this? She said, yeah, you should do it. Just humble yourself and take that role, take that position. So I did, I went in there, assisted, you know, Mark Paiva, shout out to Mark Paiva for, you know, two and a half years about, and, Two and a half years later, I, I got an editing role there. And now I'm a full-time senior editor there and I have my own assistant. Um, and to think about it, that was a five year in the making, you know, to, to, to get there. In fact, when you think about it, actually eight years, right? So, you know, to get to that seat. And so sometimes people don't realize that you got to plant the seed because it all doesn't happen right away, you know? but you gotta be willing to put the time and the work in and, and be persistent enough to pester the people 
that you want to rub shoulders with. Exactly. And that's a really good breakdown. Thanks for breaking that down for me. And that's a good lesson for life. And that's transferable to any industry, really, if you're a basketball player, if you're, you know, if you're uh, in business, if you want to work on the stock market or whatever it is, you know, you just have to be dedicated. You have to have your eye on something and you have to work towards it. But the key part there is that every year for five years, not only were you messaging the same person, emailing the same person, but you were getting better. You were working on your craft. You were editing different things and whether yep. that's free or not, yep. you were doing it. Right. You were doing yep. it. That no, way. I was doing it. And that's, and that's what you have to do. I mean, when you're, when you're coming up, there's no telling when you're going to get your opportunity to shine, to do something that you want to do. You know, at this point now in my career, I've worked on million dollar commercials that I've never thought I would ever work on you know, in my life, you know, working with companies who work with, you know, who worked on motion pictures, you know, uh, and I think, I think back because when, you know, your initial question was about, do I ever look for the young midi or the young person that I was, do I ever look for that person to, you know, try and guide them? And, you know, I don't seek that person, but when I see someone in the industry who is young and who is hungry and who does really want the, does really want it. I just kind of, you know, I do try to give words of encouragement or, you know, a bit of advice in terms of, Hey, this is what I did, you know, and, you know, maybe this may help you or, you know, here's some areas where I see that you could, you know, maybe better your skills, but, but I do try to make the effort with a lot of young people who do want to edit or direct or um, who just, or who just want to get in the industry and maybe they don't know what they want to do yet and they're trying to figure it out because I think a lot of people are, are scared to ask. And you know what, at the end of the day, I wish I had someone, I didn't have someone to show me the way, but I wish I did, you know, and I did have someone who did take me under their wing at Saints Editorial once I got there. But, Aside from that, I didn't have anybody to say, hey, this is the route you need to go or why don't you try this, this and this because this will really help if this is what you want, you know? And knowing what you want first is the key part to setting yourself up for success later in terms of, you know, how to get there. Because if you don't know what you want, how are you gonna figure out what, what it is you need to do to get there? And I'm the type of person who's willing to help anybody who's young enough and coming to you know, try and figure that out. That's great advice. And that's a great point um, to leave off at. And, and um, thank you for your time. Oh, no worries. Looks, it looks hot over there. It looks oh like my hot. gosh. Is it ever? <laughs> I think <laughs> if you look at my forehead. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. You need a light up too, man. Let's, uh, yeah. let's figure that out. Let's figure that out. Yeah. Um, coming to you live from, uh, from Ghana. <laughs> <laughs> there's a heat wave here um you know it's been a great summer it's been such a great it's summer. been a lovely summer and oh my God. You know, i've been enjoying it and that's why i wanted to take this call outside because i've been loving the summer and it's so nice i mean it, you know i look probably very sweaty but i'm loving the heat and i love you know being outside so yeah man but thank you for having me i really appreciate it you know um these conversations are much needed and we need to have more of these, you know?
Absolutely, man. Thank you for your time. You're you're cutting up a little bit, so I want to cut uh, I want to cut it off before uh, it gets really bad. But all good. Well, thank you. Thanks, man. Peace. I appreciate it.